Most of you know that I do a lot of work with teenagers. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do from my own sense of responsibility for being a child of the 60s and therefore being part of the poison that has currently poisoned our society. But one of the things that I enjoy doing with teenagers, um, I, I think most of you have seen this today, these days, the teenagers today like to wear jeans that are all torn up. I'm sure you've seen them, okay? I, they, they, they just, you know, the, the more torn up, the better they are. Um, and one of the things that I enjoy doing is I enjoy going up to an unsuspecting teenager, uh, usually a, a young lady, and I'll put my arm around them, and I say, it's okay. I just say something like this, it's okay. We're going to take up, I've decided we're going to take up a, a, a collection for you in the church, because, and they look at me like, what? And I said, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, under, I know you don't want to say it, but I know you're digging through the trash for your clothing. And of course, oh, Father, oh. <laughs> but I find it so interesting because through the years, of course, I've enjoyed uh, studying quite a bit. I, my, uh, my, my fun is studying. Uh, I get a big kick out of it. And one of the things that I like to study, what? I am very, very fascinated, fascinated with how we are human. First of all, that we are human, but how the human being is and how we behave. And one of the ways that, that I, I, I started studying many years ago came from a and actually a, a, a literature professor who began to have tremendous interest in cultural anthropology. His name was, he recently passed away, um, his name was René Girard. He was a French literature professor in California, can't remember which university, and uh, Rene Girard began to notice in literature um, what it was that was influencing human beings to behave in certain ways. And what he un began to understand is that what we do consciously and unconsciously is copy each other and not only copy each other, but, well, I'll, I'll, let me give you an example to, to show you what he discovered and how, I, how this makes total sense, why it's helped me to understand things like Good, Sh Good Shepherd Sunday, because today, the fourth Sunday of Easter is always dedicated to the image of the shepherd 
in, in the church in, in, and in Jesus' preaching. Here's the little example that, that um, Rene Girard gives to help you understand. I want you to imagine that you have a playroom, a fairly standard, fairly large playroom. And in that playroom, there are toys scattered all over the floor. Okay? Toys everywhere. Now, I want you to put in a toddler, you know, three years old, two, three years old. Put in the toddler and watch what he does. Now, the toddler will go from toy to toy and kind of eh, settle down sooner or later. He'll settle down into one toy and he'll start playing with the one toy. Now, let in a second toddler and close the door. Which toy is he going to try to pick? And everybody knows the answer. He's going to try to pick the one that the first kid has. He immediately looks around at all the toys, pretends he's not interested in the one that the first toddler is playing with, but he's keeping his eye on that to see if he, the, 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 the toddler stops. And the moment that he has an ability, he'll go and start trying to get that toy that the first toddler got. Now, the first question that you have to, you have to ask yourself is this. Why? Why is it that it is almost 100% that the second toddler will go for what the first toddler had? And Rene Girard basically explained it this way. Because human beings are what he called mimetic. Now, what is mimetic? comes from the word mime, to mime. You are mimetic. You and I are copiers. We copy each other. And so, since the, the first toddler didn't particularly care for any one toy, he just settled onto one. But when the second toddler comes in, the second toddler has no idea which toy to play with. And so he looks at the first toddler, and he sees that the first toddler is, a, is playing with that one. And unconsciously, he will begin to say, ah, that must be, since he desires that toy, that must be the best toy out of all of these because he desired it. And so he learns how to desire by copying the desire of the first toddler. And thus they begin to fight or could develop into a fight. It's very interesting because I, I have, this is not only in human beings. I have, I have two dogs, okay? Um, I have a a one-and-a-half-year-old, almost two-year-old Maltipoo, Maltese poodle, 
and a seven-month-old uh, Havanese. They're both kind of poodle-related. Look at this. In the morning, I get up, and I take the dogs out, and I have these little sticks that have little pieces of meat on them. And when they, when they wake up, after I bring them back in, I give each of them a little toy, a, a little piece of, you know, one of those things with, a, with meat on it. Well, both of them grab it. And it has happened time after time that Eddie, who is my multipoo, the older one, will come up to me, and I'm expecting him to be chewing his toy, but what has happened? He will come up to me and put his paws on me and go like this. And I'm go, what, what? And I look down, and sure enough, the Havanese dog has taken his and now is laying down with two little sticks trying to chew on them, okay? And of course, what I have to do is I have to take one away and give it to the other dog. Why? Because the Havanese, whose name is Coco, Coco is not satisfied with him. He wants also what Eddie has. And then Eddie, periodically, does another thing. I will give Coco, who will eat anything, okay, I give him, and he'll, uh, he'll go immediately. Eddie is a little more finicky, okay? And so I give Eddie the, his little stick, and Eddie will smell it. And then he'll go chasing after Coco, because he wants the stick that Coco has. And so you know how to resolve it? I take the stick away from Coco, I give him the other one, and once Eddie smells the one that Coco had, he'll take it and chew it. What's happening? Exactly the same thing. For some reason, we animals copy each other. We constantly copy each other. The issue is not whether or not you're going to copy someone. The issue is who are you going to copy? Who? Because even those people who walk around saying, I am my own person. I don't copy anyone. They're copying other people who say, I am my own person, and I don't copy anyone. Because these days, it is, it is in to be a rebel. And so if you want to be a rebel, you got to be a person who doesn't copy. So you, what you do is you copy those people who aren't copying and trying not to copy anyone, but end up being copied. Okay? It, it's, it's, it's fascinating because we do that. All human beings do that. And by the way, Gerard uh, takes it a little bit further, and he says, imagine you uh, put in a third toddler in there. What's going to happen? And he, the, Gerard said, it's almost guaranteed it's going to be a brawl. And it, why is it going to be a brawl? Because all three of them are going to want that one comp, that one toy. But sooner or later, 
two of them will make an alliance and pick on the third. Okay? That's the way things go. You always find unity in picking on who you're going to go after. Right? It's, he, uh, Gerard called it unanimity minus one. Okay? Think about it. When is it that our country or any country is most united? When you have a common enemy. The moment you have a common enemy, you're united. Or how many times have you not gotten together with somebody and when you figure out which person you can't stand, both of you, all of a sudden you go, oh, you, you and our cousin, simpatico, simpatico, why? Because it's unanimity by this one. Now, what does this have to do with Good Shepherd Sunday? Jesus, Jesus knows, God knows who he made. And he knows that the problem that we have as human beings is that we are spending our entire lives copying one another. Let me give you another circumstance. You ever have seen two little kids who get in a fight and when you try to break it up, what happens? They begin to, well, he started it, she st he started it, he, he started and they go back and forth. How did the fight start? The fight started when somebody did something and then the Kid A did something, and Kid B said, Huh, you did that to me? Well, I'm going to do that to you. And bang! And then this Kid A goes, Ah, you did that to me. And bang! And then it goes back and forth, and back and forth, and back and forth. Why? Because they're imitating each other. When, a, when violence is done, you feel justified in imitating that violence, and so you imitate it back, okay? And we do that as adults, as adults. Immediately, we say, we say well, he, if she does that to me, she's going to get it, or he's going to get it. Why? Because the immediate reaction is to imitate what has been done to you. That is what... By the way, folks, that's the, be, that's the basics of commercials, okay? When, whenever you are, when people spend millions of dollars trying to sell you stuff, and how do they do it? They do it by giving you a reason to imitate something so that when you go to the grocery store or when you go to a clothing store, you're not gonna be thinking about imitating anyone but you're going to go there and you're going to see a brand or something that will recall in your mind some kind of commercial, even though you don't remember the commercial. You'll be familiar. Notice the family. You'll have a bond with this product and there's another product next to it that you don't know. And so what you're going to do is you're going to choose the familiar product when you have to make out of the two. Why is that happening? Because family, it encourages you to be in that familiar and you imitate that. You enter into that. Okay? Now, you and I, I we could continue doing this across all kinds of stuff. Okay? For example, when is it, for a guy, for a, why, why do you think these these car commercials, 
I get, I get the biggest kick out of them, you know, because they're now that you begin to to see them uh, through the eyes of, of that psychological makeup. I begin, you see these beautiful people driving these cars, and they invite you to freedom of the road, you know, the freedom of the road, and you see this very never. It's never an ugly person or a bald guy. It's always somebody beautiful, and they're driving, and they're driving, and they're going off into the sunset, and you go, ah, and unconsciously, you identify. You identify, and so you want that. You want that, and you could go on and on. Clothing, uh, anything that is advertised, that's why there's, folks, trust me, they're spending a lot of money and they're not spending a lot of money because it doesn't work. It does work. Now, here's the problem. That when you have a whole human race which has become disconnected from God, everybody is imitating everybody else. And so it's kind of like, remember the, you don't remember this, the uh, Mahatma Gandhi used to say, an eye for an eye, which is imitation. You took my eye out, I can take your eye out. Okay? An eye for an eye until the whole world goes blind. Okay. Now, why do you say that? Because the imitation is endless. It is endless. You're constantly imitating other people, the good and the bad. Well, everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it. So you're going to imitate. And so imagine, there you have, and by the way, this is what happens in riots. In riots, um, that's what happens. There's an interesting story in St. Augustine. St. Augustine um, tells the story of a very good friend of his who was also a Christian, who his buddies were trying to get him to go to the, to the circus. And that's not the circus that we're imagining, to the gladiators. And of course, in, in the Romans, they, they used to put in gladiator fights all the time. And people would get a big kick. We don't do that anymore, but we get, they used to get a big kick out of watching the blood. And this friend of, friend of Augustine said, no, that's not going to happen to me. Because I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. That's not going to happen to me. Well, they finally persuaded him to go. And he was there, you know, uh, you know, and, and he just was proving to them that, that this was evil. Before the, the, the whole thing was out, he was contaminated by the crowd. And he was standing, yelling, and doing with the rest of the crowd. Why? Because the force, it's, it's what's called social gravity. There is so much there that you are having to imitate it. And it, if you don't want to imitate, <coughs> you're going to be looked at weird. And therefore, the gravitational pull, the larger the group, the gravitational pull to imitate that group is going to be greater. And so he wound up screaming for blood by the end of the evening. It happened to me a few years ago. Folks, I do not like sports in any way, shape, or form. 
Okay, I, ne I never was good at it, and I never have liked it. I was invited to a, a, a Rockets basketball game and almost had front, front, pew seat pew, front seats to the Rockets game. I found the, the game, which I, I mean, I, I'm a fairly intellectual human being, and I say, I, I'm just not that interested in guys putting a ball in a basket. And, and, and yet, that night, there I was with I don't know how many thousand other people, and everybody was going, ah! And I was, I was immediately going, ah! okay. and why? Because of the crowd. Because it's called social contagion, okay? And it happens in, in riots and stuff like that. You just all of a sudden get taken over. Now, let me get to Jesus then. What I've been doing for the last few minutes is describing to you the condition of human beings, the fact that you are going to imitate. It's not a matter of whether you are going to imitate or not. It's who are you going to imitate and how much is, what's, this is a technical term, mimetic contagion. How much of the desire to imitate is going to grab you? What is Jesus saying? What Jesus is saying is, I know my sheep, and my sheep, sheep listen to hear me, and they follow me. What is being said to you is that you are going to follow someone. The disciple is the disciple, the person who says, I am not going to allow myself to imitate the crowd. I choose. I know I'm going to imitate, so I choose who I am going to imitate. And you choose to imitate Jesus. He uses the example of a sheep. Now, I, folks, I have never... I think I've seen two or three sheep in my lifetime. Okay, I think once at the rodeo I saw some sheep. But I understand that sheep are animals, especially with shepherds. You see, in, in the ancient world, they weren't branding the sheep. They didn't do that. The sheep got used to the shepherd's voice. And so let's say if you had the shepherds at night when they were guarding their flocks, they would put them together because they were safety in numbers and several shepherds would be guarding, take turns guarding the flock. Now when it was time to separate the sheep, how do you think they separated the sheep? The way they did it, I didn't know this, the way they did it was different shepherds would stand in different parts of the field and they would call for the sheep. The sheep that belonged to that shepherd 
recognized the voice of their shepherd. And immediately, the whole huge flock split up into the sheep that belong to each shepherd. Why? Because they recognized his voice. Jesus is using that image to say, you have to get to the point that if you choose to be my disciple, my student, that you voluntarily choose to copy me. You choose to copy me. You don't choose to copy each other. Because when you copy each other, you are copying human beings that are disconnected from God. And so when you copy people who are disconnected from God, your behavior is going to be disconnected from God. And so the answer is, choose the God connection. When you imitate Jesus, you are imitating the only human being who knows how to be human. I, I always like to remind people of that. When Jesus, when God became human, it was as if God were saying, y'all have screwed this up so badly that I'm going to come. What, what is that old saying? If you want something done right, do it yourself. Well, Jesus is God saying to us, I'm going to show you, come, come and show you how to be human the way I intended for human beings to exist. Copy me. Copy me. St. Paul used to say the same thing. Paul used to say, follow me as I follow Christ. That's why example is so important. Like, for example, in, in families and other things, you, people copy, you much more tend, tend to copy what you do rather than what you say. Okay? And so for a Christian, the, the, the stuff of being a Christian is to intentionally copy Jesus and change your behavior from copying everybody else around you and copy him. That's the process of being a disciple. It has very little to do with going to church. Going to church is a good thing, but you know why? Because it's, you're surrounded, it's supposed to be, you're surrounded with people that you, you ought to copy. Hopefully copy people who are copying Jesus. That's how the world, the thing is supposed to work. And so, what I'm going to leave you with is just the choice. Folks, you, you feel it periodically when you feel like you want to... Let me just give you an example very quickly from, from my own life. A few years ago, a, a few years ago, I, I was driving near the Rice University Village, and it was a dark, rainy night, and it was pitch black, and I was stopped at a stop sign, and I started to move forward a little bit, and as soon as I started to move forward, in front of me, I saw a man in front of me, and the man was dressed in black jeans and black shirt, so he blended into the night. He, 
And I saw him and I slammed on the brakes. Well, I could see him through my headlights and he was looking at me. And then he looked at me and then he gave me the international design sign of disapproval. You know, the middle finger, okay? And when he did that, I was, uh, I was about to get out of the car and get into a fight with this guy in the middle of the night. Now, why would I do that? Because that's what's normal. He did it first. He insulted me first. And then just as I was about to get out of the car, I hear a voice inside of me saying, who are you imitating? Besides, can you imagine the newspapers? Father Mario gets in fight in Rice University Village. Can you imagine your parishioners? Okay. But notice what I was about to do. And I had to immediately say, no, that's not who I am. That's not how I react to people. And I just said like that. I didn't return the international sign of disapproval. And I let him go. But the, I was, the pull to do what was, he started it, was phenomenal. And until I couldn't, I, I, I spent five minutes, five literal minutes, and even more, calming myself down. Because I had made a choice and I had, re, I had resisted mimetic contagion. And it was not easy. So, my sheep hear my voice. They know me and they follow me. That's what we're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be able to be so familiar with what would Jesus do that instead of following and copying what other people do, you're supposed to be copying the Lord. Your job is not to come to church and then copy everybody else. Your job as a Christian is to live in the world, but as Jesus said, you're not of the world. You're supposed to be copying Jesus. He is the shepherd. He is the only authentic human being. And if you want to make it, you got to stop copying everybody else and copy the one who is your shepherd.